Hi there, it's Max from Prismatic, and today I want to talk about management, in particular managers. I think we've all got hopefully some experience of being managed, of bosses, and it's not uncommon for most people to have a, a slight nervousness about managers, their managers, and I want to look at why this is. I once had a meeting with a guy, a fairly senior guy in the company he represented, which was Hutchison Wampoa, uh, and I remember him saying that like all people, he's scared to death of his boss. I kind of thought, that doesn't sound very healthy. <laughs> it's very easy to view a manager like your boss, almost like they own you in some respect. And I, I wonder if this doesn't come about more as the result of, by virtue of the organization you're working for being a lot bigger and a lot more, having a lot more aggregated experience in negotiation a lot more proficient in getting what they want perhaps at the expense of what's best for everybody i find it more helpful to view management and all stakeholders around you as people that are involved in the business of you so you're not saying go and quit your job tomorrow i am definitely saying that within a thousand days maybe even within a hundred days your life could look very different if you act upon the theory contained within this video and other videos like it. So within the business of you, there are really three kinds of stakeholder. The first being uh, a way of making sure that you do your job properly, guiding you towards what that particular stakeholder is incentivized by, what they want. So clearly this is only really even an issue where your incentives are not fully aligned because if they were fully aligned then there'd be no reason that they wouldn't have to guide you in the right direction point two is to serve some kind of utility towards the goal their goal or your goal so this might be any kind of partner let's call this group partners this could be suppliers this could be support teams within the big business, admin staff, for example, assistants, all the way up to maybe technical salespeople, project managers, all the way up to the physical presence of having, say, a senior manager there in the meeting and the increased likelihood that might bring to winning a deal, say, for example. These are all uh, examples of practical utility that a stakeholder can bring to the business of you. And thirdly, it can be a case of learning that, that perhaps that person has something to teach you I mean, everyone's got something to teach us but you can see how these three components of, of stakeholdership can, can can be differently distributed depending on who you're dealing with and, and the situation so I think it's fair to say that managers as we know them in a typical corporate environment today are mostly aligned to purpose one so making sure you do your job properly and the fact that that's only necessary when your incentives are misaligned says something about the, the efficiency of that organization. Uh, purpose number two, stakeholder number two, is more aligned to what I call partnerships. This is people that support you in delivering your role, whether that be uh, clients, whether that be uh, suppliers, support teams, even managers on occasion. And thirdly, is perhaps more aligned to the role of a coach, someone who's incentives are completely aligned towards yours and has every reason to want you to do better. Now in an ideal world of course managers would also fulfill that process but 
let's examine the cost of managers as they exist in reality in the business of you. Considering that the majority of what they fulfill is that number one, it's really trying to get people to do their jobs properly, particularly in a corporate environment. Well, if myself as an individual is able to contribute X amount of value, would I actively choose to pay someone to make sure that I do that properly? If I'm creating this much value and this much of it goes towards my manager, I only get this much. So first of all, I'm by having a manager that is, is having to fulfill stakeholder purpose one of getting me to do what I need to do, I'm effectively paying them to get me to do my job properly. Are they really contributing value via that, via that set of actions that they're taking? And of course, management doesn't really just mean the people that are trying to get us to do our jobs properly. It also means those that fulfill support roles within the organisations. And if we consider uh, this concept of life inflation, uh, this is the, the term I use for the, the fact that in any organisation, as it grows and as it becomes more and more burdensome over time, you end up having to contribute more effort, in effect, more time, more work to deliver the same amount of value. And I've actually placed a number on this, just purely based on personal experience, I estimate that the amount of actual work required to contribute the same value, the same number of deals, the same amount of revenue, the same number of deliverable projects, whatever it is, may inflate by, in the organisations I've known, at least 10% a year. So things get 10% harder every year. And in other words, the value of your time goes down. It inflates, just like the value of money in a, in a traditional fiat-based bank account. Again, you've got this entire support network that has been subject to this, this process of a life inflation, the process of adding bureaucracy, adding process over time. And it's been subject to this for years and years and years and years and years. So you've got all these networks, inspectors upon inspectors upon inspectors, managers upon managers upon managers, all of which are being paid for by the business of you by the value that you're delivering. Now, a lot of them are also really you know, useful, if not very necessary and vital partnerships in the business of you. And of course, we, we certainly don't wanna be getting rid of them, but, but as I mentioned, a lot of them aren't. And then of course, you've got the, the compounded effect of communication issues, misaligned incentives. We have to think about these things in terms of the two golden rules of freedom, which I would argue are on one hand, maximizing your uptime, spending your time effectively. When you're at work, you're at work. You know, you're not doing eight hours of work in a day, you're doing eight hours of work in one hour because you understand 820, you understand Parkinson's law. And on top of that, when you're working, you're building value for yourself. You're not merely trading time for money because we don't need to do that anymore, simply put. And the other side of the coin, the, the golden rule of freedom number two, is that you don't need to ask permission. You don't need to, go to work and, and do the work when you're told by a manager whose primary intention is to make sure you do your job properly. No, you want an avenue where you can turn up and give value, your value, the best version of yourself, your best work, whenever you feel like you have the need to do so. Not this work, your best work, what is right for you. And so these are the two sides of the coin. These are the two golden rules of freedom. And these are the things that working in a corporate organization as a worker bee actually somewhat stops us from being able to do. Hindrance of permission, we don't need either. And so when you consider these roles against this kind of framework, you can see how 
in a sense, we actually pay for our managers. When most people leave corporate organizations, they tend to do a lot more. Now, if I'm actually gonna put some numbers to this, it is quite astonishing. So in my business now, which is me as the primary employee, plus an assistant, plus uh, freelancers when I need them, of course, a supplier network, again, when, when I need them, they're not full-time employees. I'm delivering double, triple the revenue I was delivering in my corporate job with 10% of the resources, 10% of the manpower, 10% of the costs, 10% of the time. I mean, talk about a compelling argument. <laughs> I mean, that just blows all objections out of the water. Yes, I appreciate that it's not as simple and fast as just quitting your job. Yes, I appreciate there may be a perceived lack of security in doing that, but can you really compare a perceived lack of security to a 10x increase in your output, a 10x increase in your profit, in your value that you're delivering, but also in the amount of life you get to live because all this life that we didn't have before when we were building someone else's vision, when our incentives were so misaligned that we actually had someone making sure we had to do our job properly. We don't need someone to show us how to give value, how to do our best work, because by virtue of it being our best work, we don't need that. So if we are gonna contribute the most value and by consequence also live our best lives, we need to go out there, do things on our own terms, without hindrance, without permission. We do not need to be hiring managers to do that. But by all means, go out and hire a coach. By all means, go out and find someone to teach you. In fact, I would highly suggest you do that. And don't forget to teach yourself on a daily basis as well. I hope that was useful, guys. I shall chat to you next time.